Welcome to Business Done Differently, the podcast about challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game in business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Welcome back to another solo session. I am excited today to talk about brand and building a brand and something that we've learned over the last few years, something that we didn't really put a ton of time into in the beginning, but now that we've really integrated it in every facet of our organization. And today we're going to go into how we've built a brand the fans first way and how every decision we've made has been based on looking at the fans, creating an experience based on them. When people think about brand and businesses, they often think it's about you and it's about your brand. Well, your brand is built by your customers. And so we're going to dive into the power of building a brand and how playing that long game on brand building really wins in the end. And I'm going to share why we are writing a book and how that fits into not only brand, but continuing to create fans and why I believe every company, every leader should write a book, should put out a book. And if they don't feel like they have enough to say, then I feel like they need to work on their story and work on what they are doing that's different, special, that can make a difference. Because we all have books in us, and the key is, are we willing to have the courage to put it out there? And that is part of this whole brand building, is getting stories, sharing stories, and putting them out for the world to see. So today, we're going to dive into you know how we've been able to focus on going all in on our fans every step of the way and building that brand and how I believe any business can do the same and how many of businesses have done it 10,000 times better than we've done it by focusing on every detail of their experience. And so I'm going to share how to start with a vision, how to start building, how to start testing, then how to start sharing. You know, often we talk about the experiments and the building, but we don't talk about how often we are sharing that over and over and over again and being repetitive. And then I'm going to go into how to leave a legacy. And, you know, that's the real impact of a brand. When you look at a lot of the greatest businesses of our time, a lot of them, yes, are led by, you know, leaders that have this mission that are just relentless in trying to create a special product and a special experience. But often they fade once that leader leaves or that leader passes away. But when you look at businesses like Disney and Chick-fil-A that have lost their leader, their founder and Walt and Truett Cathy, they still continue to grow because of the brand that they built. And I think that is what is so powerful is to build an enduring company that lasts because of the brand that you've built and your mission and how it will resonate not only with your team and your employees, but your fans long after that founder is gone. So we're going to share that and we're going to rock and roll. And I want to start, you know, here with what is a brand? You know, I had to look it up. You know, you think you look at brand, you're like, oh yeah, that's a good brand. Well, what does a brand actually mean? And, you know, there's a bunch of different definitions, but you know, you hear it's everything that represents a company organization. It's people's perception of the product, the experience, the service, or the organization as a whole. So it's everything that represents the organization. That right there says so much because we will get into what is off-brand and what is on-brand, but it's every touch point. Is it on-brand or off-brand? Because everything that represents a company organization, that is what represents and what determines someone's brand. And so to start at point, before we get into the vision and how to build and how to share and how to leave a legacy, you don't ask yourself, when you listen to this, when people think of you or they think of your company or your business or your brand, what do they think about? What do you own in people's minds? What's the first thought that they think of? And that's a hard question to ask. And maybe it's something that you ask different peers. You know, when you think about our dry cleaning company, when you think about our restaurant, what's the first thing that comes to mind? 
Because that's really, that perception is what you're not only owning in people's mind, but that is what they will share and think about you when you're not even talking to them. And that's the key. And I mentioned, obviously, Disney and Chick-fil-A before, but Disney, Chick-fil-A, Amazon, Southwest, you know, back in the day, Zappos, you know, some of those companies that really resonate with people, a mindset comes to you and usually a smile or a good memory. And I think that's an interesting starting point when thinking of the brand is what do you want people to think of you? What do you want to own in people's minds? And, you know, then you can start designing every interaction, every step, every touch point. So how then when you're building this brand and you're thinking about that, how do you make a greater impact with your brand is you get even relentlessly focused on every one of those touch points and you stay on brand always and you share it and you create brand experiences that are worth sharing. So one big question I always think about is how are you building your brand while you are sleeping? And so when we're sleeping, people can still be finding you. And when they go to your website or they read stories or they read articles or they call your voicemail, anything that they interact with you is your brand. And the big thing here for marketers, salespeople, is there is no direct ROI. There is no direct ROI in saying, I'm going to make our voicemail special. There's no direct ROI in saying, I'm going to make our invoices different. There's no direct ROI in saying, putting the emphasis on our logo and the colors and the design elements of when you put a marketing piece out or even the font. You know, it's amazing what Disney did. You can literally see their Disney font and you begin to think, wow, that's magical and it's fun. It's a font. But it's such interesting uh, touch point. It's you write in the Disney font and you see that and you conjure up moments and memories of thinking of Disney. You know, how often do you change your fonts on your marketing pieces or your email signatures? Or if you're constantly changing, you're actually confusing the customer. And as Donald Miller said it best, if you confuse, you lose. So what are you staying focused on with your brand? And so that's a starting point for this brand conversation. And then we'll, as we have an idea now of what it means, why it matters, where do you start? And for us, it starts with the vision. And again, I've I've shared a couple of episodes ago about how we worked on our 2025 vision this past year and continue to focus on where we're going and more importantly, the impact we're going to make. But we've said it clearly since day one on our website, Savannah Bananas. We make baseball fun. It sounds so simple and, you know, maybe it's not as elaborate as other people. But for us, that's the focus. When people think of our brand, we want them to think they potentially could be the most fun baseball team on earth. And so every touch point, we think, can we make it fun? And and how do we do that? So you have a vision. So when you think of your company, your brand, what do you do and why does it matter? And so it's like, we know to many, baseball is long, slow, and boring. Our goal is, are we going to make it fun? And how are we going to make it fun? And so the way we're going to do it is simply by put the fans first in everything we do and then entertain always. And obviously with the fun, entertain always comes into play. And that's how we look at every single touch point. So that's a starting point. And when we look at on brand and off brand, so we look at, all right, when you go to our website, all right, does any of the pictures that we show show something that's boring at a baseball game? If for some reason there's a huge rain delay at our game and people are leaving and it's not, it's not, doesn't look packed in the stadium, we won't show that. When we lose a game, 
we won't show or even highlight the fact that we lost a game. It sounds crazy, but every minor league team in the country says, oh, you know, the so-and-so lost again tonight, or that's three straight losses. Why share that? And maybe their brand is different, but for us, our brand is making baseball fun, so we don't share that. So our website, we show pictures of people having fun. We're very intentional in every video we put out to show the players and fans having fun. We even pick music that makes you feel like you are having fun. It's all part of that on brand and, and looking at the social media. And again, Again, on what is not fun, sometimes that's a good starting point for thinking about your vision. If you want to be fun or if you want to be elegant, if you want to be the most caring company in the world, whatever that is, sometimes it's best to go on the opposite route. And I say it often, whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. But for us, I often think is what is the most boring or what are the most frustrations, frustration points for you? And so for us, you know, I know I despise just seeing sales messages over and over again, 30% off, 20% off, buy this now, special, buy this now, buy all that sales and marketing. I despise that. To me, that's not fun. So we are very intentional. You will not see those messages for us. We will not put out all these special deals, discounts, buy. We look at the amount of messages that we send. And yes, while we will have, we will share new merchandise or we will share that our waiting list or priority list so fans can get in. But we look at the order and the amount of those messages that go out versus the messages of fun videos of the players doing crazy walk-ups to the game or the players you know, doing a dance or our guy in stilts walking up to the plate or our breakdancing first base coach. The correlation is dramatically, dramatically different than most companies because we will show 99% of messages that have no intention to sell to promote, or to market. And to us, that's on brand because that is fun. So how do we show baseball fun over and over and over again? And we are not just sell, sell, sell. You know, we are serve, serve, serve in a fun way. And so that's the starting point of our brand. And and it starts with that vision of we make baseball fun and how do we do it? Fans first, entertain always. That, if you want to build a great brand, be unbelievably obsessed and relentless on that vision and that mission of what you're trying to do and then integrate in every facet of your organization. If you do that, you will build a brand that is that resonates with people and that they think of you. And you know, when we ask people, you know, when they think of baseball games or if you look on Google, which are reviews, it's most fun baseball games, so much fun. And you hear that over and over again. And it's literally we're designing it for hopefully our fans to say those similar things. So, and again, we've failed in a lot of ways. And I've shared stories about, you know, at first with our first team, you know, we didn't allow food and drinks in the stadium. And we actually would make fans eat food outside on the cement. And I remember some really bad experiences that, you know, we had all these policies because we thought that's the way it had to be. You know, you can't do this. You can't do this. And unfortunately, punished fans because one fan took advantage. Now, our whole philosophy is let the fans take advantage of us. And I'll say it adamantly. If a fan comes in the ballpark and are all inclusive, which every ticket is all inclusive, if they eat 13 burgers, seven hot dogs, and have 26 sodas, good luck to them. It'll be a challenging night when they get home. But you know what? Let your customers feel like they can take advantage of you. To us, that's on brand. We never want to be able to tell customers or fans, hey, you know, that's not good, and then punish other people because of it. So, you know, I think that's the big vision. That is the starting point. And then you just start building and you start testing. And I think once you have that powerful statement of who you are, what you stand for, where you're going and what you're trying to build, then it makes easy to build brand. Often a company says, you know, we're just going to, you know, you come into a company and you've been with this bank forever. You've been with this 
you know, you name it. And it's like, yeah, you know, we're just going to continue to try to grow sales, grow revenue and continue to, to make a bigger impact. But if you're not continuing to talk about the brand and what you stand for, then why does it all matter? Why does it matter for you? Why does it matter for your fans, your customers? You won't have that built in purpose and you won't spend the extra time to make it special because it's hard. It's hard and it takes extra work and it takes a lot of resources, not just money, but it takes time. And why would someone put that in if they don't know why it matters and understand that vision and the impact it makes? So starting point, boom, vision. Number two, start building and start testing. (laughs) We had this idea we're going to make baseball fun, but we had no idea necessarily how to do it. We started with what are all those boring parts of a baseball game? There's dead air. There's, you know, the same music songs. You play the organ, you play take me out to the ball game. We had to definitely put that on, uh, probably not a good term to use in baseball, but put it on steroids if we really wanted to make it fun. So we had to go with what's that first thing? What's that first thing you're going to test? When you build, say, I want our brand to do this. I want our brand to evoke this emotion from our fans or customers. What is that starting point to do that? And for us, we just thought, hey, our baseball players play every game. But if we can show them having fun, that's the big difference. And you watch in so many times in baseball, college baseball, high school baseball, major league baseball, you know, a guy strikes out, he comes in the dugout, he's yelling, he throws his bat. You know, that's not fun. The game has become so competitive, so serious that the fun has been drained out of it. And so for us, we said, no, we actually got to inject fun into our players. And how do you do that? It often starts from the top. You got to have a leader, whether that's me as the owner, our president, our coach saying, guys, you have permission to have fun. And what does that mean? You know, you have to give examples. So we set the tone back in the day and we said, hey, guys, we're going to dance. We're going to dance. And again, trying to convince people to dance. You know, there's lots of different people in the world, but manly jocks, baseball players, which dancing isn't usually their forte, convincing them to dance was a stretch. But once we were able to do it, once we brought brought in the choreographed dance instructor, once we said, guys, this is what we're going to do. It doesn't have to be all of you, but let's get some of you. And we got a few and they were not great dancers, (laughs) but when they got out there and the fans cheered, And all of a sudden, they got that acknowledgement, that recognition, that feedback loop of, hey, we like this. And I remember the players became the most popular guys, the ones that were dancing. The fans loved them. They signed more autographs. They were more popular. Then all of a sudden, it goes all the way down throughout the entire team. It starts filtering its way. It's like, man, they're getting loved. And they're just dancing for a half inning. That's it. And so we started building that. And it was like, all right, that's a good starting point. So again... Where does it start for you? If you want to build your brand, and maybe you already have your brand, but now you really want to pump it up, put the gas on. What's that big starting point that, you know, is it the CEO, the president? Is it your frontline people really saying, we're going to do this and we're going to commit to doing this? And you know what? Some people, it's just not for them. And it's not. That's whether it's fun. That's whether it's going over the top on caring, whether it's being a Ritz Carlton type experience, you name it. Some people are not going to be for it. And maybe they're not right for the bus. And we've had a lot of players who could never play for us. I've had numerous coaches saying, I could never coach with you guys. All the shenanigans, everything you do, there's no way. Perfect. It's not for them. But if you're trying to build a brand, you got to find the people that you are for. And you got to be adamant towards it. And so, yeah, it started with dancing players. And those, that became the start. The players started having fun. Then they came up with ideas. Jesse, what if we do this dance? Hey, what if we do this? And the guys started actually owning it and embracing it. Not everybody, but enough. And I think that's where it starts. And so that building and testing started building the brand. The next step, and once you start doing it and seeing success, 
To me, it's like a drug. I'm like, ooh, what can we do next? What's next? And that's where the brand extends. We were just dancing players. We didn't do any of the really other great things of the experience. It was just, we're going to make baseball fun. But we didn't think as much of the fans first and everything always. And that's when we, again, started with the frustrations. Baseball was boring. All right, let's have our players dance. All right, let's have more promotions. Let's have more music playing. Let's have more contests. Why is there innings where there's no promotion and just music playing? We start asking all those questions and said, no, there doesn't need to be any dead air. Every opportunity we have, let's find a way to entertain. And next we said, well, you know, the experience and the whole actually buying tickets and the ticket experience and the fan experience, you know, that's not really on brand from fans first entertain always. It's not fun to buy a $10 ticket, then buy a $6 burger and a $5 soda that you can buy at a convenience store for a dollar. That's not fun. So then we said, all right, well, let's look at our ticket experience. And this took time. Years we thought about the all-inclusive ticket experience. But on so many ways, so many people from the outside and so many, there were so many challenges, so many reasons why it couldn't work. Well, how are you going to be able to cook that much food in a small concession stand and serve that many people? What if they ate six dogs, six burgers? How are you going to be able to do it? You're going to kill your, your per cap because everyone's going to eat. They're not going to buy anything else. And your models, it's just not going to work. I got told that over and over and over again. But I believe putting myself in the fan's shoes, that if we could figure it out, it would be a much better fan experience. And going back to it would be on brand. And so we just said, let's try it. And at first, we did it for all pre-sold tickets in Savannah. But if you bought a ticket last minute or single game, you did not get it. But after four years, we finally went all in and fully committed. And now every single ticket, if you come into the Savannah Bananas ballpark, you cannot get in there without being able to eat all of our ballpark basics, hot dogs, burgers, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, popcorn, dessert for free. And so we went all in and we tested. And as I've shared before, it was a disaster. The first few games, we had to move things around and adjust and change. And people waited six plus innings to get food the first night. I mean, it was a bad experience, but you have to be able to get through the messy to get to the great. And when building a brand, you have to be able to get through the challenges when you are off brand to become on-brand. You can't just be right on-brand. You're going to be off-brand figuring it out. And we were off-brand because it was not a fun experience to wait for two hours to get a burger. It was not a fun experience to see that you know some of the burgers, were they weren't ready. They weren't cooked fast enough. It just wasn't a great experience. But then it became one because we got through the messy. And then from there, you kept building. You kept building. Stay on-brand. What is brand? Fans first, entertain always. Make baseball fun. All right. Well, why was there ticket fees? Why is there convenient fees? Eliminate those. We eliminate all ticket fees, convenient fees. There shouldn't be. An $18 ticket should be an $18 ticket, point blank. And so we just kept going with that. And then we realized, hey, you know what? Our shipping experience, our merchandise experience, that's not on brand. You're paying shipping fees? That that stinks. A $24 shirt shouldn't be $30.50 with shipping. It should be a $24 shirt. And so we said, could we do it? And again, you know, you look at, oh, well, Amazon does that. Well, you also pay $99 a year or $109 or whatever the number is now for Amazon Prime. We said, could we do it and have no, you know, no annual membership or subscription. And we said, well, what's the worst case scenario? If we lost all of our shipping revenue, what's the worst case? And you'd end up being like fifteen or $20,000 total. In the scheme of things, it was nothing. And so we made the decision. We jumped in and did it. And then you continue to think about the merchandise experience and said, you know what? Not just free shipping. Can we do a yellow box that's on brand? Can we have a stamp that says delivered fresh? Can we have yellow tissue paper? Could it include a banana's koozie and a banana's uh, decal? Could it include a note that says this has been sprinkled with potassium and ready for you to wear it and go bananas? 
All those things. That didn't start at first. That was five years of iterations and continuing to question how do you build the brand? What is making it fun? What is fans first? When they receive this from the bananas, does it feel like a bananas merchandise item? Or is it just a regular item from Amazon, from USPS? It's in a regular brown box or a white container. Or is that what it is? And no, that's not us. So we kept building, kept testing. And again, a lot of things failed. A lot of things were messy, but that's how you do it. And when you put out a video, you know, often us leaders, we say, all right, we need more marketing. We need more videos. We need more photos. We need more on social media. Well, what is that more? If you don't have the direction of on brand and how does it fit on brand, good luck. And again, we stumbled across this. We didn't know. When we were just started as a baseball team, you know, you assumed you put out video highlights of the games, you show pictures of the players, and that's what you do. And we stumbled upon it when we thought about, you know, the big song of 2016, our first year was Can't Stop the Feeling. And we started joking around, playing it and saying, Can't Stop the Peeling. And as we continued to, to hear that song take over the airwaves in the summer of 2016, we said, man, we just should just do a music video about it. And it was just a crazy, silly idea. And we said, well, let's, let's do it. And I remember we got our intern, Ben at the time, who was a photographer, videographer. And I said, can we do a music video? And he said, yeah. He said, well, what if we involve our entire team? And what if we involve our, our staff and everyone on our, you know, in the Bananas team? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we didn't really have a full script. We said, we'll just play the song and show our team having fun. That was it. That was the whole entire script. And we recorded it. We did a bunch of edits because, you know, it was our first time doing a video, but we put it out in early July. And I remember driving in to the stadium that morning and on my phone, looking at Facebook and refreshing and seeing thousands of views every couple seconds, just increasing. And people kept saying, wow, I needed this today. This was perfect. This made my day. This was so fun. And they would just say it was just a song of us having fun. There was no baseball at all in the entire music video. Zero. It was our players, our staff having fun. And I think it ended up getting almost 200,000 views on Facebook back in the day. And, and it really took off. And, and from there, because of that testing, because of that building, we realized, wow, all right, we're on to something here. Why don't we put the gas on, put, put the pedal to the metal and do more of this? And how can we show our players and staff having more fun? Again, staying on brand. And so there came, you know, Sandlot parodies and Titanic parodies and Mighty Ducks parodies and then future music videos like Old Town Road and Bananas Are Back. And it just became a whole thing. And, and it was because, you know, I was so fortunate we had an intern that was willing to try something new and our staff was willing to get on camera and, and just have fun. And then what happened is that spread even more because people wanted more of that. Again, then brings more of your feedback loop. So, you know, when you're trying to build this brand, we can't be afraid to just test, experiment, grow, and then determine what works and what doesn't work. And I've realized that, you know, we've done some things that have got on the edge, our Dolce and Banana underwear and the videos with that. We've had some people that would say that's off brand, that we went a little too far. And I'd rather err on that side of go a little too far than not do enough. And so, you know, I think that's where it all comes down to. Start building, start testing. And now the key, and again, I'm staying on this because I think this is where a lot of companies and a lot of leaders miss the boat. And I missed the boat for years because I was just trying to build and test and learn. But then I realized that, hey, why don't I just start sharing? Why don't I start talking more about this? Why don't we start sharing? And again, happened, you know, I got asked to do like, you know, a local rotary speech back in the day and a, a, you know, a local speech at the chamber. And I realized whenever we shared this, you know, it actually helped not only build the brand, but just get more people engaged in what we were doing. And, you know, often I think a lot of leaders 
you know, they are so focused on building the company, which I agree. But you know how you really build the company? You start sharing more of the special and unique things that you're doing and the people behind them. And you start sharing more about your customers and your fans. You start talking more about them. And that's how you build the company. That's how you build the brand. And how do you do that with all the other things going on and all the other things you have to do? You hire around that. I've been so fortunate to have an amazing team, you know, led by our president, Jared Orton, that really can take care of so many of the things inside the business that I can help spread the word like I'm doing right now of just... You know, the power of fans first, the power of of doing something with purpose and impact and building a brand. And so we need to start sharing your story. And again, if you have a very remarkable story, you'll get boost because media and other people will start sharing it as well. But, you know, I've heard this before and it's kind of tough to look at, but or tough to say. But, you know, there's very few unbelievably successful people that haven't to an extent uh, done some self-promotion. And the thing is what I realized that when I'm promoting and may say it's self-promoting, I don't see it that way. I see it as a way that can actually help others and impact others. So I, I think if I'm not out there promoting, not out there sharing, not out there telling stories, then I'm actually being selfish. And so it's a different way of thinking. And as you know, uh, I, I've one of my biggest mentors from afar, from the 1800s, P.T. Barnum, he said, without promotion, something terrible happens, nothing. And P.T. Barnum We're still talking about him, and he's in the 1800s. You know, Disney, obviously everyone talks about Disney, but there's still Disney every day. You feel Disney. There's Disney movies, Disney Plus, there's the the theme parks, there's cruises, there's everything. The Barnum Circus shut down a few years ago after 146 years. It shut down, but we still talk about him. There was a movie that killed it, Greatest Showman. And why is that? And I think part of it was because not only was he a master promoter, he was a master storyteller. He was a master sharer. He was a master speaker, master writer. And again, well, I'm not any of those. Well, either was he until he started doing it. He realized that he had to do it. And he was writing his autobiography throughout his entire life. And he was sharing it. You know, he never forgot the power of the pen, as he would say. And that's what he would use. And the great book that I love by Joe Vitale, and I just did a podcast with him about a month ago. There's a customer born every minute. You know, Vitale talks about, you know, his ability to write and speak as two of his biggest rings of power. He used it to promote everybody, Tom Thumb and Jenny Lynn, his museum, his circus himself. You know, he wrote biographies on all these people, not just himself, but Lynn and Tom. And even he wrote a biography on Jumbo the Elephant. You know, he would create newspapers to promote the circus. And it was called the P.T. Barnum's Advanced Courier. And he'd print 500,000 copies and he'd distribute it the week before he'd arrive in each city. I mean, he continued to share over and over and over again. And, you know, I think that's key. And we don't talk about it enough. So, you know, once you are building something that you are proud of, how are you going to share it? And again, today, it's easier than ever. I remember the first time I was reached out to be on a podcast. It was actually Scott Beebe, good friend of mine. It was Business on Purpose. And he said, hey, man, I, I heard a little bit what you're doing uh, this first season. in Savannah, will you come on my podcast? I was like, that sounds great. And he asked me questions about what we're doing. And I left the end of the podcast feeling energized. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like people are actually interested in what we're doing. And he said, it's easy. You guys run a baseball team. You know, you're very public facing. No matter what you do, you can create a story that's worth sharing. I don't care. There's countless. If you read some of the best business books, the best stories, if you look at, uh, you know, good to greats talked about like Jim Collins and I love built to last, you know, those are manufacturing companies. And, you know, I mean, 3M, you know, I mean, they just invented new things that created people to get uh, created stories that people were excited about. So I think we need to look at how are we speaking? How are we sharing on social media? How are we writing articles? And then, you know, how are we writing a book? And I think that's where I want to lead this segue to is I'm adamant about this. I believe everybody has a book in them. 
And often we're too scared, too afraid, or we don't think that we're worthy enough to write it. And, you know, I think that that one of the best ways to build a brand is to leave a legacy. As I mentioned, Walt Disney, Truett Cathy, there's other great founders out there that when they're gone, the mission, the values, the purpose, everything about their company still stays true and people still think about it. And I always have a fear of of not mattering, a fear of irrelevance, a fear of settling. And so when I think about the time and the effort we've worked to build the Savannah Bananas and build the brand that makes a difference... The idea of not having a book, not having a movie, not having something that people can watch and read or listen to years from now scares me. It not only scares me, it makes me very sad. And maybe sometimes we are driven by our fears, but I think that is so important. The quote from Benjamin Franklin, if you would not be forgotten as soon as you are dead, either write something worth reading or do things worth writing. And that's so powerful to me because it starts with, you know, do something that people want to write about. Do something worth reading. You got to start there, but then you got to be able to have the courage to put it out there and not worry about what people think. It will never be perfect. It will always be messy. But once it's out there, it can make an impact. And Daniel Priestley, who's a great author in uh, his books, 24 Asset and Oversubscribed and Key Person of Influence, have made such an impact on myself and our business. I love this quote from him. He says, the book that changes your life isn't the one you read. It's the one you write. Wow. For me, that was powerful. I've read, I'm looking at hundreds of books right now on my bookshelf. I've read all of them, but yeah, writing that first book, find your yellow tux. And now as I'm about to share, writing the second book, I already know the impact because it's making me think deeply about the legacy I want us to leave and why it matters. And so I really think it's important. And I'm talking about how to build a brand. I'm getting serious right now, which I know it's like, Jesse, you're, you're being serious. And I'm like, well, it is serious. It is. I think, you know, as I shared in the Yellow Tux book, you know, how do you want to be remembered? I wrote my obituary when I was in my early 30s. You know, the idea of of fading away uh, without making an impact to me is scary. And so why write a book? And I think uh, first thing is create something that's worth sharing. Create something that's worth telling. Create a story that people want to hear. And if you haven't, well, look deep. You probably have some. But if not, then start doing it now and then commit to writing it and sharing it. And, you know, what's your story? Is it worth telling? Can people learn from you? Can your story make an impact? And what do you passionately believe in? You know, maybe say, uh, you know, my story, I just, you know, I work at this company and we, we do some cool things and, you know, that's my job and you know, I have my family. And okay, what do you passionately believe in? What do you think about, you know, when you have downtime? Yeah, I know all of us, we, our minds are scattered these days, but there's some things we come back to over and over again. And how do we get that down on paper? And so how do we share your beliefs? And I want to segue now into this new book that we're working on and, and true fans first style, which, as you know, the name of our company is fans first entertainment. I've been uncertain. I've been back and forth about this second book and how to do it, and how to do it differently and, and, and why it matters. And I actually forced myself a few days ago to sit down and write a manifesto on why the book needed to be written, why it needs to be shared. And I think that was the huge thing for me was do, am I passionate enough to write now why this needs to be out in the world? And I did. And I wrote it and I'm going to share it with you right now. And this kind of gives a lead into the book, but also a lead into why I believe it matters. We are writing a book that we can look back on to remind us to never forget why we do what we do and what matters most. A book to remind us to never forget why we started and how we built our company. It all started with an idea and a vision. Baseball needed to change. The fan experience needed to change. We put ourselves in our fans' shoes and started questioning everything. We built a business built for fans, by fans, and with fans in mind every step of the way. 
We vowed to change the game for the fans, to create a better experience. We vowed that every decision must start with the fans. We believed that fans first is more than just a slogan. It's a way of life. If you run your business without fans, you're done. If you run a business without thinking about creating fans, you're done. You won't make it. Fans are the backbone of building a company to last, but they are hardly ever talked about. There are thousands of books about customers, but only a handful about fans. As I look into the future and realize that teams come and go, businesses come and go, and customers come and go, I fear that someday that could be the case for us. My biggest fears remain settling, irrelevance, and not mattering. That's what happens when you stop pushing the bar and challenging the status quo. The only way to matter is to make other people matter, to be different and make a difference. That's the starting point for creating fans. We are writing this book because we believe nothing is more important in building a business than creating fans and creating a business that puts fans first. How do you do that? You create something that you would be a fan of. Today, more than ever, companies are focused on themselves. How can I grow? How can I sell more? How can I make more money? It's the wrong conversation. How can you eliminate frustrations for your fans? How can you entertain your fans? How can you invent on behalf of your fans? Most importantly, how can you show up constantly and serve your fans? These are better questions and will provide better answers. Over the years, we've been able to grow more than we could ever imagined, and we never talk about growth. We talk about impact, about creating joy, creating fun, and most of all, about creating fans. The singular focus has made all the difference in the world. It's time we all have a new conversation. It's time for that conversation to start now. Put yourself, your money, your growth aside for a minute. Become a fanatic about fans and be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. Challenge the way things have been done in the past. Break the rules in your industry. Have the courage to do things others won't do. Stop standing still, start standing out, and go create some fans. And so that is what I wrote. And after writing that, I was like, this book needs to be written. This needs to be out in the world. What's your manifesto? What can you share and prove that we're going to do this and it's going to make an impact? So before leaving you with that, I will give some insight into the book and share what we're doing. As I thought about this, I said, hey, what's the normal way of writing a book? Someone writes a book by themselves, they put it out and hope people buy it. Well, that's not how we've done anything here with the Savannah Bananas. And as our company is Fans First Entertainment, what would be the most Fans First way to do a book? And so I said, how can we involve the fans every step of the way? And so people listening here, I hope that you will be involved in this journey as well. So the starting point we asked is, what should the title of the book be? And sent out an email, sent out a social media post to everybody and said, what should the title of the book to be? And then the next question, who has share stories that they would like to share uh, with this book? And then as we go through the process, we'll ask, you know, help us design the cover. And we'll ask, are there any other excerpts you'd like to be involved in in this book or share in this book? And we're really going to share the whole journey. And I think that is why it matters. We want to engage our fans. We want to give them a say, have them feel part of it. From the day that we named the Savannah Bananas, we had to name the team contest. We had to name the mascot contest. We let our fans help design our shirts, design our jerseys. We've involved them. And I think that's so important. And that stays true to not only this book and where we're going, but if fans have a certain idea that we need to listen. And that's part of what we believe in. And so we're going to involve them. We're going to make them feel like they're a part of something, make our fans feel like they belong. And I think that's just falls in on our brand and building our brand. It's, it's off-brand to just write something by ourselves and hope that people will like it. It's on-brand to share every step of the way and hopefully make it entertaining and put the fans first and not do all the things that people may not like about a book. And there's a lot of things that I've started writing down, and we're going to continue to find those out and, and test them and try them. So I think that's where I want to leave you and with building a brand. I know I went all over the place and finished here with a book, but it starts with a vision. What makes you different? Why does it matter? 
How can you start building and start testing these ideas on your brand? One thing at a time. For us, it was dancing players. Next, you know, how can you start sharing it? The greatest leaders are the people that share the most because they are helping, teaching, and, and helping people get to the next level. And then finally, you know, what's that legacy you're going to leave and how can you actually put it out there? Whether you're sharing in speeches, whether you're sharing in articles, or can you write a book? And this is uh, one of the other big steps for us that I hope this book that we're working on together in 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 years will still stand. will still stand the test of time. And that's what I think how you really build a true brand that makes uh, the impact that matters much. So I'll leave you with that. Remember, what do you stand for? Who you are? Have fun with it. Obviously, our brand is about fun. So you better believe that this book, we're working on ideas on how to throw in some crazy things in this book. And I'll share that. Things that uh, might be a little silly, might be a little weird, might make you scratch your head. But that is on brand for us. And we hope it works. And we'll share as we go along. But other than that, I just want to thank you guys uh, for being along this journey already. Over 100 plus podcasts and years of doing it. And I hope that you've enjoyed it and I'd really love your feedback. So I always uh, encourage if you have ideas, if you have a thought for the title of the book or stories you want to share or anything that you think will fit into this uh, Savannah Bananas Fans First brand that we are building and how we're trying to create fans and make a difference, please send them my way. And as I say, until next time, guys, stop standing still, start standing out. Thank you for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe that challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered in this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.